calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, it's Carolyn here again with a few updates that I thought maybe you would be interested in. Now, I know some of you keep asking, is Diking Out coming back? I have said previously that it is probably most likely not coming back, at least not as a weekly podcast, but also never say never. And that's why I want you to keep subscribed to this feed because we could always have special episodes. Melody and I are still talking and hanging out and whatnot. It was just, we needed time to explore other projects. Speaking of other projects... I have my new podcast, Loves a Pitch, and hopefully that will be being released next week. How exciting. I can't wait. I've already done a bunch of interviews for it. So what's Loves a Pitch? As a podcast, it's going to be uh, a different guest each week. And for the most part, it's going to be somebody who comes on and they have one to two minutes to say why they're a catch and whatever that means to them, whatever kind of connection that they're looking for. And then I ask them follow-up questions about the things that they share. And then we just have a talk about their dating life, what they're looking for, their wants, their needs, conversations about love and dating in the queer community in general. I think it's been really interesting. I'm having a great time having these conversations, and I really hope that you will enjoy listening to them. So keep an eye out for that. Speaking of Love's a Pitch, if you're listening to this and it is before February 9th, I have a live Love's a Pitch show, 8 p.m. Thursday, February 9th, at Come On Everybody in Brooklyn. Be there. Tickets are still on sale. It's truly the most fun thing I do. I say that over and over, but every show I have an absolute blast. The audience has fun. Our judges have fun. The contestants have fun. Uh, everybody hangs out afterwards. It's a great way to make friends, to meet people, maybe make out with someone new. You never know. There is going to be a burlesque performance. Actually, by 
by one of the future guests on the Loves a Pitch podcast. So that's a fun thing. Uh, Come out to it, please. It's so, so much fun. I love it so much that it's my inspiration for this new thing that I'm doing. And one of the prizes that we're going to be giving away at the show are tickets to a solo show that for those of you in New York, I want to tell you about. And if you're not in New York, you can see some clips of Sam. He's been doing uh, late night. He was on Seth Meyers doing some stand up. But Sam Morrison is a comedian, a gay comedian. He has a show that's at the Soho Playhouse right now called Sugar Daddy. And I was able to see it And I was so glad I did. It is so funny. It's also heartbreaking, but it's so funny. I was laughing the whole time. Uh, I told Sam after that, you know, the last two shows that I saw at Soho Playhouse were Hannah Gadsby's Nanette and Fleabag. Both were outstanding. And I'm like, oh, Sam has a lot to measure up to. I might say... I think I enjoyed Sugar Daddy more than those two. And I love those two shows. But this is just so good in so many ways. Um, You know, I'd watched Sam work out some of the material for this at open mics and at shows. And I also kind of followed uh, the, the journey he was on that he talks about during the show on Instagram through the kind of height of the pandemic. I just, I can't say enough good things about it. So if you're in New York, if you get a chance, definitely check out Sugar Daddy. Also, a reminder that if you are missing Diking Out, and I miss it too, I really do, um, you can hear extra episodes that we've recorded. Our Diking Off Topic episodes are alive and well. I mean, they're not new, but there are a lot of them there. If you've never been a patron before, maybe you were a patron in the past and you haven't had a chance to listen to them. Uh, Even before we were doing the Diking Off Topics, which are just really me and Melody talking about our personal lives and what's going on and things in the media, what we're watching, all that stuff. Uh, Before that, we used to do like extra kind of lightning round Q&As with past guests. Those are all up there on Patreon as well. So you can go to patreon.com slash diking out and still get that content. I hope all of you have been doing well. I really miss diking out with you all each week. I hope you're all doing the gayest things every single week. I mean, my weeks have only gotten gayer because Cecilia and I got a dog. His name is Professor. He's so stinking cute, but we are definitely super gay. Like, he is definitely the dog of a lesbian couple, just a true feminist through and through. Uh, Other than that, I mean, it's been really gay trying to get this other podcast up off the ground. But maybe, maybe the gayest thing I've been up to while Diking Out has been putting out reruns is I started curling. Curling. When I tell people that they're like, like the hair? I'm like, no, I'm not curling my hair. I mean, I do curl my hair sometimes, but no, the Olympic sport curling. 
doesn't that just feel so gay? Yet I have yet to meet another lesbian. I mean, maybe they are. We're not we're not talking about that stuff on the ice. We're all kind of dressed uh for the occasion. But yeah, I started taking curling lessons. I'm having a lot of fun with that and really uh, leaning in or lunging in. Curling, if you've watched it, it's a lot of lunging. Um, and that's that's my life in a nutshell. I don't know. A lot's going on, actually. And you'll learn more about it if you listen to the new podcast. Thank you all. Uh, enjoy this re-release episode that is about to play. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I relate to the world through my nipples in a way that I thought was you're like, too relatable. <laughs> and I, I'm always like, you know, when you're like really nervous in your nipple and you feel it in your nipples, or like to me, like everything gets filtered through my nipples. Like, and I just thought that's how everybody like perceived the world. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, 
and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's the tits. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with writer and actor Michelle Badillo about breasts. Michelle has written for and acted in some of our favorite shows, and we had so much fun talking to her, so hang around for that. Wow, Melody, this is our last recording of 2020, our favorite year. We did it somehow. Survived until the end. I survived, honestly, because of diking out. I don't know about you. Something had me accountable to get out of bed and do something at least once a week. Yeah, do you ever wonder what your year would have looked like without diking out? Oh, Allie and I went on a walk yesterday and actually discussed it, and we decided it would have been very bleak. (laughs) Well, I am so glad for that, and I'm glad that the podcast did survive this year. It's it's been quite a year, you know. It started out in 2020 without a co-host, and Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm most thankful for, Melody, is becoming friends with you and having you as the host for Diking Out. It's been a game changer this year. Wouldn't. You know it. That is exactly what I'm most thankful for myself. I'm not kidding. Every morning, I have a little gratitude list, and diking out is like top three every day. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm grateful for our listeners each and every day. Like Every time we get a message from them or somebody saying that they're a new listener or they've been listening from the beginning, I'm just like, thank the goddess for these Fine, fine mm-hmm. people. Uh, Praise just her. Giving us life in this year, 2020, because it hasn't been easy. <laughs> no. God, no. Uh, I joined the podcast, and wouldn't you know it, a global pandemic a few weeks later. Yep. I know we mention it a lot, <laughs> but I just really want to emphasize the fact that <laughs> I joined, and we had maybe one or two recordings in person. Yeah. Before moving remote. Yeah. And I think we've done a pretty good job for two people forging a friendship and co-hostship. During COVID, while one of us had COVID, while while the other one lost their job. uh, And had a record low mental health year. Yeah, just the the odds were stacked against us, I would say. And we did it. So I'm going to count 2020 as a success. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Weirdly, yes, yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah, this year, reflecting on it, I was just thinking, like, it's been a, a terrible year for so many things. It's been a good year for some things. You know, we can't forget all of the work that's been done in terms of uh, social justice and, like, all the causes and all the uh, organization that has happening and the place that got money, though, does feel like it's gotten a little bit lost yeah. with just all the multiple shit shows happening. But uh, I would still say maybe a net positive for for the year. <laughs> that was a really definitely. hard one. But it, yeah, feeling like there was such a push and, and definitely feeling a change in the way that, uh, that these stories are covered and the attention that they get. And then on top of that, it was just a really gay year. Like I was thinking of all the gay things I've watched, all the media that's come out, uh, all the people who... All the people who have come out. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Like... Bly Manor, we got Bly Manor and Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Saoirse Ronan sitting on Kate Winslet's face uh, all in the same year. That's true. <laughs> we got 
more Sarah Paulson content than we could ask for. Yeah, Sarah Paulson. It was just like an exponential rise in Sarah Paulson content. I, most people haven't caught up with all of Sarah Paulson's happenings this year. We've got so much great queer media. We've got enough bad queer media for us to rip apart on the podcast. We know the U-Haulers love it when we rip beloved Happy- queer media to shreds. You know, we ripped up so much queer media this last year, but nothing will ever receive the backlash we got from just one lukewarm take on Taylor Swift. And that's queer culture. (laughs) (laughs) The emails we got. That's so true. From that that episode of us just being like, you know what? I think she's fine. I respect her. It's just not for me. The scathing emails. That was just me, though. Melody, you were like... I really like this new album. I was like, you know, I'm so happy for everybody. Not for me, but good for everybody else. And somebody was like, why would you even bother saying that? If you don't have anything nice to say, why would you spend the time? You guys are monsters and everything that's wrong with the community. And just so you know, I'm not thin-skinned, okay? I live in New York. I was born and bred in New York. And boy, oh boy, did I look up that person who was from upstate who now lives in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) Just know if you send a crazy email and it's like your name at Gmail, sometimes I got, I'm going to look it up to figure <laughs> out how upset I should be. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 2020. So many interesting listener emails. Uh, <laughs> I would say half of the most memorable emails we got this year were about Taylor Swift. One was from an old... A joke that I made about Taylor Swift that really was just a repurposing of one of my stage jokes. Old joke. That I retrofitted to make a Taylor Swift joke. It really had nothing to do with Taylor Swift. And somebody was like, maybe I don't get the sense of humor. Maybe I missed something because I'm a new listener. But why would you say something like this? I'm like, don't worry. Horrible, horrible person. It was 100% a joke. Uh, with that, Taylor Swift did have a new album. <laughs> I'm not saying a yeah, word. Yeah, we're not talking about it. We're not Sorry. talking about it. I'm not talking about because I haven't listened to it yet, but I will get around to it because I love Taylor Swift so much and she's the best and everything she does is wonderful. So, yes. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what else? Uh, the Lesbian Bar Project happened this year and I just saw that it got a nice write-up in Autostraddle and I say it's a nice write-up because it did mention diking out. So nice. Yeah, I was happy to see that we were mentioned in that article because I always feel like there's some type of weird ban on uh, diking out from Autostraddle. I think we got on their naughty list. I think it might have had something to do with... Is this another one of your jokes from before my time, Carolyn? Yeah, no, it wasn't even a joke. I think it was like maybe a personal thing that had to do with a bad relationship that transpired between people on the podcast. Oh, dyke drama. Who may have had a connection to Autostraddle because since then, I've been reaching out to writers from Autostraddle. I think they're great. We're big fans of Autostraddle here and uh, none of them want to be on the podcast or respond or we can never make it happen. I'm like, I think we're on the bad list. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Someone prove us wrong. Prove us Some- wrong. That's all I'm asking. If if you are uh, an employee of Autostraddle, please just like calm my paranoia about this because I'm so sad and thinking that Autostraddle hates diking out and we just want to be friends. But anyway, the lesbian bar project happened. That was pretty big and gay. Uh, Huge. We had some virtual shows and we're able to 
have shows where we had a, a wider audience. That was great. I mean, our audience, our U-Haulers have grown. Our Patreon community has grown. And the queer community itself has grown. Who came out this year? Niecy Nash was a huge coming out. Oh, yeah. DeBrat, Sarah Ramirez, and Elliot Page both came out as... Um, well, Sarah Ramirez came out as non-binary. Uh, Elliot Page came out as trans. Dominique Provost... <laughs> I'm going to get roasted for not knowing how to say her name. Chocolate? <laughs> Dominique Provost Chocolate? I just know they call her Dom. Dom is in uh, Winona Earp came out. That was a big, big news for the Earpers. All right. I know, Melody, you haven't been to Clexicon yet because that was canceled because of COVID. Right. But had you gone, you would know what a big effing deal Dom is. Just beloved. Okay. By uh, queer media nerds who love Winona Earp. <laughs> and she's out. She's out as queer. So, uh, You know who else came out? Who? In the most Gen Z way? <gasps> Claudia Conway. Yes! Oh my gosh. This podcast stands uh, Claudia Conway. Um, we stand, we simp, all, you know, all that stuff. We love. <laughs> Just came out to a bisexual-coded song clip on TikTok recently, like last week. Uh, we had Abby Jacobson make a coming out day post about how she's, you know, still figuring things out on her journey. That was like a big first overt kind of yeah. statement from her, right? Taylor Schilling for the first time, even though she'd been dating women for uh, a few years, but officially mm -hmm. came out this year. That was a big one. Jamila Jamil. <laughs> You know, I didn't know whether to include that one or not. I was looking at these <laughs> lists of people who came out, and they still have Rosario Dawson on there, even though she's like, I didn't really come out. I've never had a queer relationship. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. It was just because she said in an article, my fellow LGBTQ, and then people were like, oh, Rosario Dawson came out, which I thought made sense because I thought that she was uh, Cory Booker's beard, and I thought it was a mutual bearding situation. Oh, uh, yep. And... And then she followed up and was like explicitly like, no, that's not, that's not what I did. Uh, I've never had a queer relationship. And people are like, she still came out this year. <laughs> what a year. I know. I was trying to think like, who were some of my favorite guests? There have been so many great guests this past year, but automatically my mind goes back to Desiree Akvon just in terms of that having been one of the... <laughs> The reach guests for this podcast and also having it be one of the weirder interviews we've had just because that was like. That was peak weird and it was just it was a couple days COVID. before. It's peak COVID culture. <laughs> yeah. Because that was right, you know, May, end of May. Um, it was like the, and the then day before like, George Floyd. Like the day yeah. where we're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like nothing. I don't know what to think about. And then just like the next day I saw Desiree out at a protest in our neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. it was, yeah, a crazy time. Crazy times. For a crazy interview. But so many great guests and especially this one today has been somebody who I've wanted to talk to for a while, which I'm sure you'll be able to tell because I'm geeking out in the entire interview. Uh, but we will get to that in a few minutes. Let's talk about quickly some things that are going on in the queer world because it 
you know, like the rest of this year, it's been a banner week. Jen Richards got married. The past guest of the podcast. Speaking of dream guests from this year. Ooh. And speaking of an Apple Time interview, we interviewed Jen Richards, like, what, the day or two after, after she got engaged? Yes. And in true lesbian fashion, she got married almost just as quick because she got engaged. Quicker. True lesbian yeah. fashion because wasn't it her first, like, real lesbian relationship it's her first lesbian relationship they got (laughs) engaged uh, a year in and then married you know less than six months after that and that really reflects the timeline of me and cecilia so (laughs) it was great love to see it love to see it and Mm -hmm. what else happened oh uh, rosie o'donnell is on tiktok that you know, I was actually just l- scrolling through Rosie's TikTok this morning, yeah, not even knowing you wanted to talk about it, but I should have known you'd want to talk about it because when do you not want to talk about Rosie on TikTok? I mean, I, yes, I've only seen a couple of posts because she used to be on her daughter's TikTok, so I would see uh, her making kind of like a, a guest appearance in her daughter's dance TikToks, and then now Rosie has fully embraced TikTok and. Oh, yeah, fully. I think I saw a sponsored post this morning. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) And it's not even, you don't see a product. It's like, I just want you to know that uh, so-and-so is the future of banking. Tick-tock, you don't stop. (laughs) (laughs) She does that at the beginning or end of every TikTok. I love it. Tick-tock, you don't stop. What's up? (laughs) Um, So Rosie made someone's day, like, yesterday I think um, there's a queer potter who's just like, maybe this will get a follow from Rosie in her own pottery video, her like throwing a <laughs> a bowl or something. And then uh, Rosie duetted the video. Yes. And it's <laughs> um, her just waving at the girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, that made me think like, maybe Rosie isn't too far away. Rosie's clearly giving the people what they want, engaging with the fans. I'm like, what do we have to do? Or what do we have to do less of? Because, Carolyn, I, you're scaring I think I did. Rosie. I know. I think I did too much. And I might be doing too much again because we got so close. And as my uh, my birthday request to all of you U-Haulers is ask Rosie on TikTok, on Twitter, on Love Instagram, because she's doing Instagram Live again now. If you're ever on her Instagram Live, just say, Rosie, when are you doing Diking Out? When are you going to be a guest on Diking Out? Just ask casually like that. Be like, oh, I love this podcast. You'd be so great on it. Can't wait to hear you on Diking Out. Get it back in her mind. Get her to reach out to her assistant and tell her assistant. I'm blaming the assistant. I don't think it's Rosie. I think Rosie wants to dike out. She seemed very game about it. You just have to catch her at the right time. So reminders, mm. put them out there. Feel free to do the same for Mia Kirshner. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Do that for Well, let's do one at a time. What? What? <laughs> the, the, if the circles overlapped, I would say one at a time. But but Rosie and Mia Kirshner are living in two different worlds. So it's okay to, to hit them up. Okay, I just thought, you know, mob mentality, I really want everyone to focus. Yeah, do you not think I could handle a back-to-back, a Rosie interview and a Mia Kirshner interview in the same quarter? Nope, we need one of your obsessions per quarter. Yeah, we're getting real business savvy here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Two Capricorns, wouldn't you know, with birthdays coming up. We're going to set quarterly goals for diking out. One daikon per quarter. Uh... Hell yeah. 
We should dream bigger for 2021. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bigger yeah. than just one daikon <laughs> per quarter. I think we can. We're just a humble dyke podcast here. Well, we did have one daikon on the pod recently, Jamie Babbitt. I remember Jamie Babbitt talking about being excited for Wonder Woman. Yes. Did you see that? I watched it. Did you? Not yet. Okay. Because I had to binge all of the wilds because of one listener DM. Well, let me quickly, before we get into the wilds, because I don't want to say much about Wonder Woman. I did watch it and it starts off kind of like the other one with a lot of gay vibes because you're in the world where she grows up and it's just all Mm -hmm. like super strong women uh, being like super athletic And you're like, this is great. This is awesome. This is so cool. Then you go into her in uh, 1984, um, which my mom kept asking, what year is this supposed to be? I'm like, it's called Wonder Woman 1984. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wonder Woman 84, lady. Uh, And then there is a lot of flirting between Kristen Wiig (laughs) And Wonder Woman. So Kristen Wiig has this character in it, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're they're kind of flirting, and they're kind of in love with each other. It, it plays, like, if you're queer and you're watching it, you're definitely having a whole other experience of what this interaction is. And then straight women are having the interaction of like, oh yeah, it's like when you meet a girl that's really cool and you want to be her, and it's like, oh, right. it's when you meet a woman who's really cool and you want to fuck her. <laughs> and that's a different and and then it like then everything goes to shit so you know if you want to enjoy wonder woman i would say watch the first half hour or so and then stop it now let's tell me all about the wilds okay the wilds i knew nothing going into it we got a dm on instagram that was just like are you guys watching the wilds like that was it yeah So when it came up on my um, Fire TV, like, home screen or whatever, I was like, oh, something gay. I didn't know. (laughs) I I had no idea how gay, who was gay. So I put on this show about eight or nine girls stranded on an island, and I have to just guess who's going to end up together. It's all female. It's basically about this it's kind of like a dystopian survivor meets like the breakfast club like a bunch of like different characters you have your like rich girl jock your moody lesbian they did lean into that trope with a very angry lesbian i love it eventually found out who she was um And the character is an indigenous lesbian, so that's cool representation, too. Love it. I was, like, really studying every interaction for the first few episodes before it got to, like, who was actually the lesbian pairing in the show. (laughs) So I couldn't stop watching it. So, like, we thought, oh, let's just watch it and see what this is all about, you know, queer content. But it just turned into Christmas Day into... um, last night it was just all we binged all of it yeah and i actually did like the lesbian character at first i really did not because she was so angry and i was like here we go again this is a disservice (laughs) to the community she's just so combative but it turns out she's angry about literally everything but her sexuality so that's good she's like a very (laughs) cool confident lesbian like she's like nothing like no internalized homophobia detected like nothing about that like obviously she's angry about her situation she's stranded on an island so i forgave that and really ended up enjoying the lesbian arc in the show 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is controversial, but I do love a, an angry lesbian character. Uh, as long as there's, like, more to them. Tale as old as time. Right? Um, it just feels so comforting <laughs> to know that they're it there. D- it was. <laughs> I was like, ooh, a tank top, no bra, uh, furrowed brow. I get it. I love it. <laughs> I am going to have to watch uh, that. Yeah. I mean, all you had to say was that it was all women on an island. Uh, I'm I'm in. That sounds great. It takes place. There's like three times they work with. They play with time a lot. And so it's like the before, the during, and the after of their time on this island. So these girls are stranded on an island after a plane crash. But what you know, no spoilers really, is that this wasn't an accident. Mm. The fact that they're all there. All right. And you know that the person behind it is a lesbian. It's a horny lesbian. Yeah. yeah, who just wanted to watch all these girls on her bugged island. But really, it is the most lesbian term she uses for it. She calls this experiment a gynotopia, which is now my favorite word. A gynotopia. And that it was. But one really cool part of the show was... The soundtrack, like it was really good music and a lot of my favorites were on it. And whatever I didn't know that I really liked, I would Shazam. And there was one song I was really feeling, Shazammed it. And wouldn't you know it, it was by Softy, <gasps> Softy pop star, who in a real full circle moment was around this time last year performing at your Dyke the Halls show, yes. which I showed up to. Last minute, you offered me a comp. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the show. And I remember being like, diking out's so cool. <laughs> Not knowing what the next year had in store for me, but really liking Softy's performance. Yeah, Softy answer baby girl. So that was cool. That's awesome. I love a good Softy bop, and I love a, an island full of women. Yeah. That sounds pretty gay, Melody. Was that the gayest thing you did this week? Was Watch the Wilds? Hmm. At first, yes, I thought so. Very gay to binge that gay show with my gay girlfriend. But I found something gayer. On the Christmas Zoom we had with Allie's family, Allie and I held hands the entire time. So I'm going to call it that's the gayest thing of the week because (laughs) Christmas hella gay holding hands with girlfriend gay but i am still like trying to figure out how to interact with ali's family after having to be kind of closeted for the first couple years yeah. around them the adults all knew but it was like the children couldn't and then with christmas it's like you're basically in the closet because the children it's everything's so like enmeshed so last year I got drunk at Allie's family Christmas on Christmas Eve. Allie's cousin made me a very strong drink, and I got drunk immediately. I started following Allie around her aunt's house, demanding that she make out with me, (laughs) quote unquote, in front of your family. Like, that was the request. Like, I followed her around. I was very handsy in front of everyone, and was just like, make out with me in front of your family, please. Just do it. Just do it. Like... (laughs) And Allie's just the most stressed she ever is on Christmas Eve. Um, there's a lot she has to do. She like is the glue of the family right. and making sure everyone's like good and ready. And so she was like, it was very stressful for her, but we still look back on it and laugh. So there, we had a nice family Zoom where no one could see how affectionate I was being. We held hands the whole time just below the laptop. And I was like, you know what? This is nice. Get prude. We get to be as gay as possible. On they can't. Zoom. They can't see what's going on. Below, yeah, boobs down, and all you did was hold hands. 
Yeah. Cecilia and I were finger blasting each other on the family Zoom. Are you kidding? No, you no we weren't. We didn't. We we napped through the family Zoom. <laughs> I I took two naps on Christmas and I slept through the family Zoom. So, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Allie and I did eventually put our fingers in each other. We did not leave the couch for like three days. Um, and a couple of days before Christmas, we were doing just that. And I was knuckles deep in Allie. Great. And our doorbell rang. And it was our Mexican food. And it was just the, like, we, like, I slipped my fingers out. <laughs> she went and grabbed the food. And then we just ate our fajitas. <laughs> like, like nothing happened. <laughs> And we're like, what happened to us? You should have ordered tacos for the joke, Melody. I know, right? Had we opened tacos, <laughs> our fingers would have been serving us, not forks and knives. And the smell would have been closer to our faces. And we would have been like, what are we doing? We got to get back to what we started. <laughs> You're right. We should have had tacos. <laughs> no, but we've really just been like lazily fingering on the couch. I don't know about you. I don't know if it's the... Re- <laughs> Tis the season for a lazy, for lazy finger? couch sex. Yeah. yeah, lazy fingering. All we're doing is watching TV, and this is just one last gay thing. <sighs> we have binged Dawson's Creek so hard, and it's because Netflix has this shuffle option where it's like just play something because we couldn't decide, and it played the pilot of Dawson's Creek. Now, I was obsessed as a kid, and it, we found out Allie was obsessed too. We were both in love with Joey. Yeah so in love with joey we just like we're like realizing that like we just can't stop watching because we're like oh my god when she sings les mis oh my god that was it for me oh my like just having all these realizations of how like joey was huge for us yeah and now we can't stop watching it didn't help that dawson was so annoying right i don't understand how anyone liked him yeah well i would i liked pacey in my pandem, <laughs> I was in love with Pacey eventually. Yeah. Uh, Katie always. Yeah. I remember I wanted to or be Joey. A, I wanted to be a director when I was younger, when I was in high school. Like I was looking at film schools for college. And honestly, Dawson Leary in Dawson's Creek like made me second guess that. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be annoying like that. I don't want to be so obnoxious and pretentious. Forget it. <laughs> Most pretentious show ever right. written by like New Yorker writers, like 50-year-old in New York intellectuals or right, whatever. Right. Teenagers don't talk. But like Dawson, as someone who didn't have that dream then but did eventually go to like film school, I'm just like, oh, like, he's like he's, everyone you hate at film school. Yeah, but worse because it's not even like – it's like Steven Spielberg, <laughs> which is great, but it's like <laughs> – like he spends the whole first season obsessing over like just the art of ET. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, at least some like Gus Van Sant, like something yeah. for a young filmmaker yeah. to obsess over. I don't know. Right, right. Dawson's so fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Oh, uh, for me, it honestly simply was buying Ellen DeGeneres lighting. Ellen DeGeneres has a home collection. Stage light? Yeah, no. Uh, Because Ellen... A spotlight? You selfish fuck? (laughs) Ellen DeGeneres famously is so rich that her hobby is flipping mansions. So 
she has developed a uh, a line of, I guess, like home decor stuff. I don't know the extent of it. All I know is that Cecilia and I have kind of like divided and conquered the items that we need to buy for the house. One of them is lighting because this previous owner uh, was not a fan of having lights, it seems. So, uh, mm, my kind of guy. Yeah, Cecilia picked out some lights and said, they're Ellen DeGeneres brand. I was like, well, then we have to get them. <laughs> that's, that's a good in this, moment. Yeah, in this house that used to be owned by lesbians, which we still get mail for the lesbians. We're still getting stuff addressed to Anita and Dolores, which is great. <laughs> All right, so in summary, everything from 2020 is very gay, and Mm -hmm. if it wasn't gay, it was a mixed bag of things. Uh, (laughs) Let's get into this interview, because it was so much fun. We had such a great time. I had too much fun. So today we are diking out with writer and actor Michelle Badillo about breasts, something we know a thing or two about. Get it, Melody? Oh, I got it. That's why I said I had too much fun. Oh, man. (laughs) How did I miss that? Michelle wrote for shows like One Day at a Time, The Bull Type, and the upcoming A League of Their Own and The Great North. Plus, she's appeared in the show Vita and had a cameo that was very near and dear to my heart on One Day at a Time. Let's get into it. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for being here today and diking out about breasts with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the topic, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) I've been waiting for this. I know. We were just saying that we couldn't believe that we haven't had a breasts specific. We've had top surgery, which is close, but not breasts. So we're excited to get into that. But before we do, we just have to talk a little bit about you and your career because you have written on so many queer projects. It's amazing. And the writing that you've done has had such an impact on so many people. And it's crazy. So, I mean... First, I have to bring up uh, one day at a time. You know, yes, I may she rest in peace. Oh, yeah. I know, I know. I was so bummed because I was so excited to hear that it was coming back and it was such a back and forth. What happened? It's such a, like, it was such a long goodbye in a way because... Right. So I wrote for the first three seasons and every every year, even after the first season, um, it didn't matter that, like, we were getting these great reviews. Like, there was always just this fear of, maybe we won't get asked back. And it was always like, we were like playing this game of like tag with Netflix. And then like at the last minute, they'd be like, you guys are picked up. And so it was always kind of like, we don't know how long we're going to get to do this thing. Right. And and then at the end of the third season, we found out that we were officially canceled. And then they were like, oh, we're going to try. Like Sony was very dedicated to the idea of like getting on, an, on another network. But I don't think up to that point, like plenty of things had gone from network to streaming. It had never gone the other way around. So we all kind of were like, this is a very long shot. And most of the writers, just because we all need to keep working, had gotten other jobs, including myself and my writing partner at the time. And then like right when we had gotten another job, we found out it was getting picked up again. So we couldn't actually write for the fourth season, which was very sad. So I had to start saying my goodbye then. But just as like something that I think should exist, I wanted it to stay on for as long as humanly possible. Um, And then... It was so exciting for it to get this new home. And then when it didn't work out again, it just like, 
it's so I've kind of been saying my own goodbye to it for a long time, but for what it means to so many people and what a dearth of, of Latinx representation there is on TV, it just like it's a real bummer. Yeah. 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 I had only first heard of the show when it got canceled the first time. And then that was the year that I went to Clexicon. And the cast was there and the producers and they were talking about all the complications and trying to find a new home because you couldn't just have it go to another streaming service um, because of non-competes and all the stuff like that. But uh, just seeing how much love there was for the show. So as soon as I got back from that, my wife and I started watching and she's not Cuban, she's Peruvian, but she felt like she could relate so hard to it. And she said, you know, had that a show like that been around when she was younger. She would have known so much sooner that she was gay. She would have been so much less scared about feeling like it was a taboo thing that she couldn't talk about with her family and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I would openly weep, like very embarrassingly, like openly, like uncontrollably weep when we were shooting that first season because I just couldn't believe it was the same thing. I was like, if I had had this, there would have been... And I feel like this is true for a lot of queer women. Like there just were not examples and I didn't really know queer women in my life. And I just like, do you guys know about that thing where you can like Google will show you your searches for like since the oh, beginning excuse of me? Google? <laughs> no, I don't. By, okay. People don't Somebody know. Somebody drop a bomb on it. About I this. <laughs> they can't this get is, out. <laughs> it's insane. They literally since like 2005, like if you've had any, like they have recorded oh your searches. God on Google and you can look it up through your account. Like what have I searched? So I was just like going through when I discovered that, obviously I was like obsessively like wanting to navel gaze and know what I was thinking about at every minute. And I found this day from when I was 17, which was like when I was first kind of like understanding that I was gay. And in the same night I Googled, um, how to know if you're a lesbian and how to know if you're a psychopath. (laughs) Because I just like, and I was like, oh, that is so scary and sad that I had so like little understanding of what I was feeling that I was like, it is me like not having like feelings towards men like I'm supposed to have mean that I'm like emotionally like dead inside as opposed to just like, you're gay, it's fine. <laughs> um, and I was, just, I would be like writing this show, like if I had seen this when I was 15, I and needn't have Googled, am I a lesbian or am I a psychopath right, in the same Right, way. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. You said it goes back to 2005? Because I'm probably going to find searches like that, too. <laughs> you oh might be God. able yeah. to um, go back that far. Wow. It's like, why is being a virgin so easy? That's <laughs> my search. <laughs> why do I never want to have sex? Uh <laughs> And the the other thing that I have to mention with that show is that you have a cameo in an episode where you play a character called Susan. In the long line of lesbian Susan. Yes. Thank you. I, that was, I think, intentionally, if I can rec- if I'm recalling That's correctly, what I we were had like, what to should ask we name about. this woman? Okay. Oh, oh my God. Yep. This is making my dream come true because uh, we used to call our listeners until uh, Melody objected. Uh, we used to call our listeners Susans, yeah, because I thought that that was like the gayest name. And like every fictional character on TV, it's like it's a lesbian. All right, let's just Carol and name Susan. her Susan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, or in like the puppy episode of Ellen. Uh, yeah, yes. she's also Susan. So I started um, an account on Instagram called Every Gay Susan. 
And I, yes. I tagged you on it. So originally I put it on. I and know. then somebody messaged me and they're like, no, Susan's in the episode. I'm like, Susan's in the episode? They're like, yeah, if you look quick at the funeral scene, she like nods to Susan. And I'm like, what? So I rewatch. I'm like, oh my God, mind blown. And it's a writer on the show. And I have to know. <laughs> It's a thing. Yes, we. I remember they were like, "What should we name this person?" And like the three lesbian it, lesbians in the room, we were all like, "Susan." Like it's got to be Susan. If it's a lesbian on a sitcom, <laughs> it's got to be Susan. I just can't believe there are three lesbians in a room, <laughs> like writers. <room. laughs> right. Oh, that I know. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, such a good show. I never thought that, like in these times I would be watching one, a multi-cam uh, sitcom again. And then also one that makes me both like laugh and cry every episode. I would just be like, why am I crying so much? <laughs> but it should be called a sit. Cry. Right. <laughs> Sorry. D- take that out. Take that out. Um, <laughs> and then you've also uh, have acted in Vita with Roberta Calindras, which is amazing. Yes. Who is also, we just learned, going to be in uh, A League of Their Own, which you're writing for, which we just had Jamie Babbitt uh, on the podcast. Yeah. And she mentioned that she directed What a Dream Team Project. What well, can you tell us about that? Insane. I don't, I'd probably not much, not much right. but it is, <laughs> I don't think I can say much yet, but I think we all can tell at this point from the casting and the directing and the writing that it's going to be pretty queer. I think there's, as a lot of queer women can attest to, like there are a lot of undertones in the movie, but they didn't go there. And I think that's like because of the time and also because there's the league with the league itself, as you see kind of in the movie too, like there was a specific emphasis on these women, like not being perceived as butch Mm -hmm. or gay, um, which was like very much not the real story. So we're getting into a little bit more of like the queerness that was happening there. And, um, uh, the cast is incredible, and I'm so excited that to Roberta and I never actually like we've met, but we never were on Vita at the same okay. time together. So I'm excited to be able to um, work with her in this capacity, and um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be. I think there's enough in there that will be like remind you of the movie, but it it very much takes its own. It's not so much. A reboot of the movie as it is like a reinterpretation of of the league itself. Yeah, a lot more diverse, a lot more gay. Um, Even though the league itself, though, wasn't really diverse, right? Well, so the way we're doing it is so there were no black women allowed, right? Which is we are staying true to that in the show, Um, but we are following. So, but black women were able to play baseball and like make it as far as the Negro leagues, which were like the major leagues at the time. Um, So we are telling that story as well. Amazing. and then there were um, like some Cuban women in the league and a few Mexican-American women in the league. So we're integrating that into the story as well. I can't wait. Yeah. When does that come out? I wish I knew. Sometime next year, I think. I don't know yet. Um, I know that. I'm sure it's sometime next year. But I, I can't. I don't think they know exactly for sure yet when. So you also have written for The Bold Type, which I've just started watching. <laughs> yes. And just so mad at myself for how into it I am uh, just because I've been into freeform shows before, like pretty little liars. And I'm like, I'm not getting sucked in again. And it, it I does know. it every time. They'll get you. I mean, I was, I, 
I, I took a very serious Pretty Little Liars journey <laughs> where like I would be so deep in and then I would just be like distressed and have to leave it alone for like six yeah. months. And then I would be like, well, now I have to check back in. <laughs> and and then like, yeah, it's Freeform and former ABC family. Like they really have a way of pissing you off, but keeping you. Yeah, there. I will say, though, since like because I was watching Pretty Little Liars when it was. Uh, still ABC family and was getting all this pushback for being so gay and then and then I just saw the episode of the bull type where she like goes down on her girlfriend and I'm like free form hold on a second like they don't even yeah, show baby. scenes that are like this explicit on like some Netflix shows like I was shocked we didn't think we were gonna we wrote it and we were like there's no way like this is like like any kind of as everyone knows like any kind of especially like oral sex between women like immediately slaps you like an nc-17 in movies and like is just not on tv at all unless it's like showtime um unless it's the l word (laughs) yeah except for the l word i still cannot believe i know like as soon as it was gonna happen i'm like okay in like one second they're gonna cut away to like just their feet at the bottom of the bed and that's all we're gonna get to see and i'm like (laughs) hold on uh awesome (laughs) I mean, as I think, like, if we, if you just knew about lesbian sex from watching Pretty Little Liars, you would think it was just, right. like, feet touching at the end of a bed. Like, that's the extent of lesbian sex. Yeah. So I still cannot believe, I cannot believe we got away with that. Your other new project, too, you are so busy, uh, is The Great North. And that's coming out, I well, yes. because that's animation, so that you probably worked on a while ago. A hundred years the ago. Timeline. Right, right. It's coming out in February of, of 2021. Stacked. Stacked yes. show. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. I can't wait. Jenny Slay, uh, Dolce Sloan, Aparna, and Alanis Morissette. What? Okay, I almost... When I heard that that was like before I got the, I didn't know before I got the job. And then when I got, the, I mean, I almost like fell out just like in the office hearing that. I was like, wait, but she's, and, and she's playing herself. Like she's just like playing an imaginary version of herself. And I never got to talk to her directly, but I did get to, I was on like, like a conference call with her in our office and I was sweating. I was like full body. <laughs> she, couldn't, she couldn't see me. I wasn't talking and I was sweating. Yeah. I would be too. Yeah. She just has like this aura about her. She just seems like she's so wise. She had a podcast at some point and I was she listening did? to it. Yeah. She had a podcast and it was just like, this wasn't the name, but it was like the Zen hour with Alanis Morissette. <laughs> just like her talking about like gratitude for an hour and just like her meditate, like her practices and things like that. And like everything you would expect from an Alanis Morissette podcast. It's just really funny how she went from like this like angry rock chick was kind of like what exploded her onto the scene. And it's like, oh, her anger, her anger. But since then, she's just like this like ethereal, like... Earth Mother. Yeah, well, she Earth got all mother, the rage yes. out in the 90s, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she has nothing left. All right. Well, thank you for talking about all because you've literally like worked on so many of my favorite shows. So uh, thanks for letting Carolyn geek out. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. I can't believe I've gotten to work on so many queer shows. Like it's it's just a product of like 
being exactly the right age because there weren't queer shows before, no. really. So I just I can't believe I can't believe that I keep getting. Yeah, I mean, them. I guess awesome. it's not that big of a coincidence that you've like written on all these shows I've seen because I seek out like every queer show. So. <laughs> <laughs> Of the five, I've been involved with right, like right. three. <laughs> but today you are here to dike out with us about breasts. We got them. Yes. What made you want to pitch that idea? I just, I've such a, I've had such a, I guess I'm still probably on on my on a journey with my breasts, but I feel like I've had such a relationship to them. I just remember like, so when I was a kid, I looked, I looked essentially how I do now. Like I looked... I had short hair, I was a tomboy, whatever. And that never like didn't make sense to me. Like that I didn't feel like I, I wasn't thinking about gender deeply, but like it would always be like really shocking to me that people thought I was a boy because I was like, I just don't understand like why just because I have short hair, I look, I'm not being perceived as a girl, whatever. Point being that like it got so, it was happening so frequently and got so bad that when I was like nine, like in a very area there, God, it's me, Margaret. I was just like praying for big breasts. My mother has like huge tits. And I was like, please let me have them so that at least if I have big boobs, like everyone will know I'm a girl. And I may have, it may have worked too well. <laughs> I ended up by the time I was 13 with double D's, wow. which was then like, which when you're 13 Same. is like, you know, then it's yeah. a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. Um, and especially at that, I mean, I don't know if kids are different now, but like there was definitely no kind of conversation about consent happening when I was a teenager. And because I was like the one with, with big boobs, it was like, I'm snapping my bra in the middle of class or like yep. just grab, like just peep the way people just like thought they could like touch my body um, yeah. is insane. They called me tits when they appeared <laughs> and it stuck through high school. They called <laughs> There was like down a, the hall. A tits. I there was a there was a couple other Michelles in my high school, so they just started calling me Big Tits Bedildo. Oh my god! I, and so it was just like, hey, Big Tits. So I I really relate uh, very much to that. So I had like prayed for, and I, by that point, I was also like like I had made a very like specific strategic decision when I like graduated from elementary school that I was going to let my hair grow out. And like, cause I just was sick and tired of people like not thinking I was a girl. And I just was starting to, when I was a kid, it didn't matter. And then I was going through puberty and I just was a mess. And so then I like over, like I remember overnight, it was like the summer between seventh and eighth grade. I went to meet up with my best friend and she looked at me and she was like, did your like tits grow last night? And I looked down and I was like, oh my God, I have huge tits all of a sudden. <laughs> and I had no idea what to do with them. And then, like, in eighth grade was just, like, that was all. I was, like, it was just became, like, all about my breasts. And I didn't know what the hell to do with them. But then I was, like, well, it's kind of the only thing people, like, and I still kind of thought I liked boys. And I was, like, it's the only sort of thing I have that boys are into. Anyway, then when I, like, was, like, okay, no, I'm a lesbian. And not only am I a lesbian, but, like, gender presentation-wise, like, I'm maybe going to present a little more masculine. And then, like, started to get, like, more and more, like, androgynous, whatever. And then suddenly it was, like, now I don't know that these breasts like fit into my conception of like what I think I should look like. Cause I feel like in terms of like the dearth of representation, the only like slightly androgynous butch adjacent lesbian was Shane on the L word who right. has like no tits to speak of. Right. Right. I was trying to find a curvy butch kind of person to reference in this episode and I was Googling around and it's just all porn. So I gave up. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's so and, and the truth is like a lot of like and I'm not even that butch, but like a lot of butch women have huge breasts. Yeah. In yeah. life. Yep. I've noticed. And it's like where are they on TV? Mhm. Right. Uh so I got really tripped out about like then I was confi- and also like uh, as we were saying like when you're younger and your breasts just become like public property. And then like, so I was feeling kind of weird about them like that. And then I was like, well, if I look like this, I'm like not supposed to have big breasts. Like I just didn't understand, like, and I still would struggle with this. Like the first time, like, and I've not had sex with many women, but like the first time they see me naked, like the first thing, the first few things they say is like, you're really small. And wow, you have really big tits. And those always to me feel like, Okay, so that wasn't what you were expecting, and, like, you're upset. Oh, oh man, dang. yeah. Even if that's not what they mean. I'm just like, this right. is exactly what my fear was, that, like, you don't think I should have big breasts, yeah. and now you're seeing them, and it's like, now, like, you were attracted to, like, what you thought I was, and now maybe you're not, because, like, I've tricked you into think, which is, I don't, I don't even think that that's true, but that's where, like, I start to go, where I'm like, well, I've tricked you. I've tricked you into thinking that I was, like, one type of person, and, like, now I, I have big boobs and, like, the jig is up and, like, you can leave. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go back to that, like, middle school thing because it's so crazy what you say about people just having no boundaries, no consent. And it's it's almost like, I don't know. I feel like it always happens, like, over the summer between, like, elementary school <laughs> and middle school. And then we all show up to middle school and then, like, some women have breasts, some guys have their voice starting to drop, and you're like, what is going on here? Like, nobody prepared me for this. What is happening? And then you either feel like, oh, what's going on in my body is wrong, like, no matter what side of it you're on. So, like, I have, um, like, A-sized breasts and I always have so I was always like all right when are they coming in when am I gonna (laughs) fill something out this isn't right and you know I'd get made fun of for that but then I also had no idea what the girls were going through who did have boobs and I remember like this one girl with boobs was having all these boyfriends and I'm like (laughs) I don't get why she has like so many boyfriends it's really crazy like what what do these guys think are gonna happen like they're gonna touch her boobs no way and that was totally what was happening like (laughs) she was letting all the boys touch her boobs that's why she had like a revolving door but like to me if that was so crazy that that was going on because I felt like I still had I guess this like innocence right of not having boobs and not having people want to touch my boobs (laughs) it was the female friends who were the worst at calling it out completely humiliating me like slapping me with nicknames running up and squeezing them in the hallway yes what is with the running up and squeezing yeah it was a thing um it was just, yeah, it was the gal pals who were just constantly bringing attention to it, which then brought the boys' attention. But it was like probably their insecurities because theirs hadn't come in yet. There was a whole Big Mouth episode about it, I remember, yes. which illustrated that nicely. It just like triggers this insecurity, maybe, um, that makes the girls do that. But it really was like, and so, still to this day, some of my best friends... <laughs> Just like looking back, like you made things hard for me when those came in. Man, there were these two girls when I was in ninth grade who, like, in the middle of math class, I remember they would always like start like 
they would sit on either side of me and then they would just grab my tits or like try and undo my bra and pull up my shirt, like really like graphic crazy shit. And I was like telling my girlfriend and she was like, that must've been so hot. <laughs> and like it's the way I was just, I guess it sounded kind of like a hot porn. And I was like, no, it was, I was mortified. And then like, then it, it, yeah. It's, it was like getting pantsed in the hallways. That's what it yeah. like, felt like. And they did also grab my butt because I had such a comically small butt. They would screw because you can't have both. If you have big boobs, I feel like you usually have a smaller butt and vice versa. That's just my theory. I can attest. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I have a tiny butt and huge boobs. So they'd come up and squeeze my boobs or they would run up and cup my boobs and just be like, it doesn't eat. You can't even. My hand's flat. Like, it was just like, <laughs> So physical. <laughs> or like, if only you could take some of your boobs and put it yeah, in your butt. Yeah, that was a big one. Don't you wish? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know if I'm just like repressing memories from that time, but I'm like, I wouldn't have dared grab my friend's boobs. Or maybe that was just like me, like sort of knowing, but not knowing already that yeah. like they made me feel weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> that. I also, like, I don't know if it's just being, like, even if I wasn't aware of being gay, like, I would not have touched anyone's boobs. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think it was probably subconscious at that time, but I was like, I don't want to let anyone get any ideas about what I want to <laughs> exactly. touch in a few yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was always one of those people, too, that, like, always had a change in private. Like, even in the locker room, I would always pick a locker that was, like, by the corner so that I could, like, fully face the corner and, like, quickly change <laughs> in and out of my shirt. Like, even though I had nothing there, I was just, like, so self-conscious about it. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Do you, as a brown person, relate to this? The boobs coming in around that age and the body hair and just being like, this is a lot of masculine and feminine energy I'm trying to figure out right now. <laughs> like, no one, this is, no one talks about this and people don't talk about this enough. Like the boobs coming in at the same time as the mustache. Yeah. And then suddenly it's I had like. That. <laughs> and I still would if I didn't have laser. <laughs> yeah. I just let mine rock now for yeah, the most part, unless it. I'm like going to see my mom and then I'm like, I, I better get rid of it. But um, <laughs> Yeah, that, like, where it's, like, you're becoming a woman and also a man like, yeah. at the same time. Like, I look and like then... Professor Snape with double Ds. And <laughs> yes. <the> D's. <laughs> Me too. Oh, my God. I That's, yeah. And, and like, it just, um, they really don't tell you that these things are going to happen. And, like, I, I oh, like, that moment when, like, you, you're wearing, like, at the time, capris, which yeah. I'm so glad those are kind of right. dead. But, like, Clam when niggers. you look... The first time somebody's like, oh, you have to shave. Yeah. And then you look around and like nobody else has had to start shaving it, but you have like a full bare leg mm -hmm. that's like getting caught, like getting caught in the Capri. <laughs> yeah. oh. I fully yeah. got waxed every Sunday with my mom. We talked about this on a Patreon app. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got a lot of thoughts on big boobs and body hair. So yep. glad to have we, you here. <laughs> that standing, the woman who ran the salon lived in our building growing up. So it was like very much like we had an in. We're getting the, the mustache, the unibrow. That's getting done like every week. Nice. Um, and then a lot of, oh, do you remember Sally Hansen? There was like this Sally yep. Hansen cream that you, you yeah. put on your upper lip. And it was kind of like Nair, but like just oh, not for the your bleaching. mustache. Just not like the bleaching. The, yeah. And it would like melt the hair and it would and burn. And I would wipe oh. my whole skin layer off with the hair. <laughs> and then you just, it's like, yeah, I don't have a mustache, but now I have like a puffy red, like fleshless <laughs> lip. 
It's like, I have a stash. It's a scab stash now. <laughs> I got rid of the hair for you guys. <laughs> cool with me now? <laughs> oh, God. I would, you couldn't, uh, you, there's, you couldn't pay. Oh, God. Oh, I'm like, I can feel myself like feeling like I'm in seventh grade again. And I know. I just, <laughs> I'm triggered. Like, I'm fully triggered right now. But it, you can't win, though. If you don't have, if you have, if you have not developed or like just aren't a person who's going to have big breasts, like you feel like a failure. And then if you right. have them, you, they're just like everybody talks about them and they're like for public consumption and nobody wins. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, I know that my relationship with my breasts have definitely changed over time and it went from me feeling constantly inadequate and that I was never going to like look right in shirts or I was always going to be like super pear shaped and never proportional and would never look good in a dress or anything like that to, you know, being like an out, lesbian uh who is so happy that I never attracted that amount of attention from men like I feel like like I can't can't even handle the few cat calls that I get now that had I had (laughs) breasts like knowing how much worse it would be you know I was like thank god I didn't have that or just like with my friends just knowing uh troubles with like getting bras and things like that and um like back pain and all that stuff. So I've grown to really appreciate my boobs being small at the same time though. There's always this like, like media and everything is just so strong and like ingrained in my head that like my body doesn't look like it's supposed to for a woman, you know? Yeah. I mean, this in another million ways that they just will not let us win. I feel like you're supposed to have big breasts. Like, I feel like it struck me when you were saying that, like, you were never going to fill out, like, shirts the right way or a dress. And I remember at the time, like, going to American Eagle, which was, like, the thing you had to have when I was in, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Polo shirts, And literally yeah. not being able to fit into their shirts. Yeah, say that, uh fitting rooms. Oh. Let's just go there. <laughs> <laughs> fitting rooms I, at that I still age. don't go in them. Yeah, I still don't go in them. I'm like really, I have a hard time. I'll buy things and take them home and try them on and then go back and return them. <laughs> like, me, t- me too, before going into fitting room. Wait, yeah. why? Just because of the trauma of being, I was also, um, around the time after puberty, I think I was so ashamed of my boobs coming in. I was also, did have like childhood sexual abuse. We'll slap a trigger warning on there. You too? or <laughs> Yeah, so that's another byproduct of them coming in early. And then because of all the shame from that, I just started to eat and eat and like make myself as like undesirable as, as possible and like had this like fat shield. So it was like the boobs, yes, still only growing as I grew bigger, <laughs> like only got bigger. And then so not being able to fit up top, but like in general, it became yeah. like fitting rooms are like a bad place for me. But definitely in puberty when I wasn't like the weight wasn't the problem. I wasn't fitting in like adult women blouses. <laughs> And, and my dumb small boob mind, I I was like, oh, were like the shirts getting stuck on you when you were trying to take them off because they got caught on your boobs? Is that why you don't go in changing rooms? I'm an idiot. I mean, I've gotten stuck in things. <laughs> it's not like I remember not being able to get a shirt over my boobs in a yeah. changing room and yeah. the, opening my eyes to see like the shirt over the top half of my and like my my breast just like bulging out like and I yeah 
Yeah. So you're not, you're like, that's not an incorrect image. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then you, I admire your style so much. I was stalking your Instagram today and I was just like, yeah, you did it. Like you're like pulling off the androgynous look and you're rocking your boobs. And like, I gave up on that. Like, I'm still very much on a journey with my boobs and my style. Like I, I, one of the first, like the reason I made a Reddit account way back in the day was so I could post on there and figure out how to dress androgynously. Like I just wanted, I was gravitating towards that style, but I felt like I couldn't like Carolyn was talking about not feeling like a real, am I a real woman? If I don't have boobs, I was like, am I a real like lesbian? (laughs) If I have big boobs, like I don't know what to do here. (laughs) That's the trap. It's like, you grow up with all these like ideals about like what women are supposed to look like. And then you think like, you would think that becoming a lesbian suddenly, like, or like queer woman, like, or queer person, like, just frees you from those norms. And right. then you're like, wait, is there a new set of, of things I didn't know about that now I don't fit into? And by the way, I just want to say, in terms of my Instagram, like, and how I frequently, like, am showing my breasts. And first of all, you'll notice that it's always nude because. I still kind of don't know how to do it in clothes. Like I either don't wear a bra or I wear a binder. Yeah. I, I like cannot figure out an in-between because if I just wear a regular bra, then I just have too, too much breast happening. You, it's Bras it takes, are like, so hard. I feel to find a good bra. Yeah. yeah no matter what size. <laughs> and I, I know it's harder. Like I've had friends who used to wear like two bras. And the other thing is how expensive bras are. And I feel like that, I don't know. I I think bras need to be like government subsidized, like tax free. It can't even get tampons. Right, we can't even get tampons. But but it is kind of insane how how expensive they are, and like the fact that most people do wear them every every day. And I don't know. Well, for a good bra for people with larger breasts, double that price. No, I know. I've I've peaked a price tag and I'm like, you have got to be kidding. And that's like, that's where I feel really lucky that I can just wear one of those, you know, bralettes or whatever or or go without one as I get like older and more confident in doing that. But (laughs) it's... I I do make the choice, like... I'm, I do make the choice to not wear a bra, which I never thought I would be that person because like, I was always like, that's like a luxury for small breasted people that I do not have. Yeah. And then I just started. Okay. Teach me. I'm still in that phase. (laughs) Well, I just started doing it. But the thing is like, it is, it does feel for a long time. It still felt pornographic, especially because I'm always doing it wearing like a tank top and I would go into work like this and I would be like, Oh, like it, yeah, it is like you have to be ready for it to feel like a little like you just have they're just out there. Mm-hmm. Are, are you ever not aware that they're out there, though? Because th- that's my thing. It's like unless like I'll go without a bra often in the winter if I'm wearing like a sweatshirt or a sweater and nobody can tell. But like in the summer, I'm so aware that like everybody's going to know I'm not wearing a bra and I'm just attracting attention. <laughs> I am hyper aware of that. And I've tried to make it in my head like there's something in my head where I feel like it's kind of like queer and punk to like force it, not like force everybody to look at my breasts. Like that's, I don't mean like that, but like there's something that feels like queer to me to just be like, yes, my breasts are here. Right. And like, if you have a problem with that, then that's on you. Um, That's, but it's, it's very scary. It's so funny because I have a, a friend who's straight. And when, uh, when she was 
I think maybe when she first moved to New York City, she uh, decided to like stop wearing bras because she uh, also had small breasts. And then one of her boyfriends was like, are you like a lesbian or something? Just because she like <laughs> didn't wear a bra. <laughs> See, it is gay not to wear a bra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. And that's where I rest. I'm like, that feels like it can be part of my like queer identity is just like not wearing a, like insisting on not wearing a bra. But, um, but it is a trip. It, it's like what you were saying where you're like, do I, am I not a good lesbian now? Because I have these, these, it's like before I, I, I didn't feel like a real girl because I didn't have boobs and now I have them and I, I don't feel like a real lesbian or something. Yeah. I also have very small hands. So I felt like God was playing like a very <laughs> cruel joke on me. Like I'm going to make this like androgynous lesbian with like huge boobs and tiny hands. Um, which before I had sex with her, I, I, maybe I would just grew up like knowing, like hearing big dick stuff. So I was like, These, my fingers are my dicks yeah. and they're small. And I don't know like how that's, that seems not fair. Yeah. Talk, talk about not fair. I will get like carpal tunnel. <laughs> My dick's broken for two or three weeks again. I, uh, I got, I got, a, I got stat. This is disgusting, but I had staph infection like in my middle finger a couple of years ago and like it, my finger blew up. Uh, I couldn't use it for sex. So I, I would, but I was like, this is my like sex organ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like forgiving, you know, like, and I just, um, yeah, it's like you're out of commish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but back to breasts. No, I don't know. Like, no, man, we could, we're about to veer. I know. I was just thinking like anytime my wife and I are like doing something with our hands or like chopping stuff, we're like, be careful. You can't risk anything happening to those. Uh, it is, but nobody has ever... People have remarked, as I've said, when I got naked, have remarked like, oh, your your boobs are bigger than I thought or whatever. But nobody's been like, I'm not into that. Um, yeah, I feel yeah. like people are generally excited to see them boobs. Yeah, I just I also are feel like, like I turned off by them. I don't know. I feel like I, this is another thing I want to talk about with lesbians and breasts. I don't I feel like I don't hear enough like queer people talking about like being into breasts as a thing. yeah. But, and maybe they're not, which is yeah, is with fine. like gender queering more and more. The f the conversations around breast, I'll say, with a lot of queer friends lately, have been more about top surgery, right? And and like also, I know for me, just because of my insecurities about my own breasts, I never want to like fetishize or uh, think of like larger breasts as something to be excited about, because then that would make me feel bad about myself for, for not having that. So I'm just like, all bodies are beautiful. And, you know, every, uh, every pair of breasts is different. And oh, I'm just that's nice. And they're all beautiful. <laughs> no, I do. I love that. And I feel like that's like, that is exciting. And like, that's what, cause also, and like breasts are not necessarily like, you know, there are women without breasts or like people who don't identify as women who do have, and it's right. like, it shouldn't be attached to all these things at all. But, um, it is, it, it, it ends up feeling like this gray area or something where I, I don't know why, because I don't hear that people are into them. I assume that they're not, and that it's somehow going to, be bad yeah you gotta talk to my girlfriend it's like she's such a trucker when it comes to like she sounds like, yeah Allie is more into yeah, boobs than most boobs <laughs> like, I 
I love and and I really respond to that. That's why I was like, that's nice with Carolyn because like with Allie, it's like, who are you? The way she talks about breasts, like we'll be watching TV and she'll be like, I'll be like, oh, that that girl's hot. She'll be like, mm, not big enough. Like, she's <laughs> well, I will say Cecilia did listen to uh, last week's podcast where I called Kate Winslet's breasts magnificent. And she's like, do you, oh. do you wish my breasts were more magnificent like Kate Winslet's? Because my wife also has uh, is a little bit on the, the smaller side like me. And I'm like, no, not at all. Like, I can appreciate all shapes and sizes of breasts. <laughs> but the word magnificent comes to mind when I think of Kate Winslet's. I feel like we know, everyone knows Kate Winslet has one of the best racks in Hollywood. Yeah. She has gorgeous. Yeah. Whether you're into to breasts or not, like that's just, there they are. She does have. Masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it is, and I've dated all across the the breast spectrum. Yeah. And it's never, I think also because I have such big boobs, it's like, it's never meant that much to me because it's like, I have them and you can. If you don't have them, I have them. And if you do, like, that's awesome. So it, that's awesome, too. Um, so it doesn't really matter to me, but I wish. Anyway, it is. I did consider top surgery for a long time because I felt so. I was like, these breasts, like, aren't, gen- like, gelling with my, like, self-conception. Yeah. Or, like, what I think other people conceive of me. But I always, when I was naked, I would look at my body and f- actually feel okay about it. Like, it my breasts on their own never, like when I was naked, I, I, I always felt like I like my body, but I somehow think nobody else will. That's where Relatable. I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a lot of people too, but yeah, I started to consider top surgery once it became popular, but before that it was always breast reduction surgery yeah. is something I always wanted since <laughs> like the eighth grade. Yeah. Um, and, but it's weird. Yeah. When I'll like look at myself naked, I'll be like, this rocks, but I, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know the attention and just like the have, it's like something you always have to work around. The back pain is real. Um, I just had to get one of yeah. I just had to drop like a couple hundred dollars on these like specific back rollers for the specific pain and like, uh, posture corrector like it's just like literally drop that link yeah (laughs) but it it is chirp is a good product (laughs) and it's i think like the the it's like about the clothes too it's like because i feel also like you know presentation is like so about your like how you dress or like how you want to dress and then like the it's the same thing as being in eighth grade and not fitting into them in american eagle or something it's like this way that i the breasts aren't like gelling with the way that i want to look to the world when I'm in clothes. When I'm naked by myself, it's fine. When I have to like put on clothes and go out in the world, suddenly like these breasts stop making sense. Yeah, it is clothes. Well, yeah, I guess I haven't been thinking about it much in COVID because I'm just like braless or in a bralette and sweats. So maybe, yeah, I've taken a little like vacation from that stress. <laughs> It'll come it, back. It, it's like the, the one good thing about this yeah. whole time is like no breast stress. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Title of my new podcast, uh, <laughs> Breast Dress. Breast Dress, on your back and in your heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I was putting on uh, bras for Zoom meetings, and I'm like, why? It's not, nobody can know if I have a bra or not on Oh, Zoom. I have one on right now because of the ring light and the boob sweat. <laughs> like, the under boob sweat. That's why I'm like addicted to underwire. I can't right. even in my own home right now. I had the to. The swamp tit. Yeah, that's very real. Do you put deodorant under your boobs? 
Talk to me. No, I well, I used to put I used to put powder until I until the whole like the the powder causes cancer yeah, or yeah. whatever thing. So I just live with it. I just live with it. I'll if I'm or I, tuck. I have I tuck. Yeah, just tuck say, yeah. you know that move. You just I just did it. Which yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that I did that to you guys, but um, but it is a lot about the tuck. But we were talking, because I, I started this writer's room on Zoom, and none of us have met in person, and somebody was like, oh, we should all talk about how tall we are, so that when we meet in person, we're not, like, shocked <laughs> that somebody's really tall or really short. And then um, I was like, I just have to say, like, my, my height will not, like, shock you. I'm, like, very average height, but, like, it will shock you, because you can't see on Zoom that I have really big boobs. And then I said that, and then I was like, I don't think... Now I feel like I've sexually harassed all of you. Yeah. But I wasn't saying it to be like, you guys, I have like a great rack. Just get ready for it. I was <laughs> saying loud. it because it's what I'm anxious about. I'm like, they're right. all going to see me and be like, oh, I didn't know she had such huge, like, and now it's like, now I've also, and now I've sexually harassed you all because of my anxiety. <laughs> do you get like catcalled when you're out? Like, do you notice that like with, with your androgyny, like in the style of clothes you wear, does it not have an effect on catcalling? Does it not matter? I will say, and I have always said this, and I swear it's true, men are so much more into me now than they were my entire life. Mm. With the androgy, like, also I think, like, like men don't like to admit to it, but, like, there is some, like, men do fetishize, like, a certain type of masculine lesbian, yeah. and if you have breasts on top, like, the, yeah. I have, it's so much weirder, and I get so much more male attention now, which I, ne- it's, it's very confusing um, <laughs> and upsetting. Uh, no, but I the, the the yeah, it has it has I, it's almost gotten worse. Interesting, in my life. man. Maybe I'll stay femme. <laughs> yes, I will. I really don't want to be as femme as I like present a lot of the time because it's just easier with the boobs. Which is sad. Well, LHB is a thing. What long was that? hair butch, long haired butch, LHB. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Past guest, uh, Sarah Hollenquist. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's Molly Carney. If you know Molly, Molly Carney, Carney, that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay, if we're talking about breasts and, and being a lesbian or being with women, having sex, boobs together, the noise. <laughs> you mean the, the boob queef? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about it on this podcast, and I think it's something that just needs to be called time. out that it's like... I don't know. Every time I, it's like I try not to laugh because I don't want it to ruin it. But then sometimes it's such a good Cannot sound laugh. that you have to laugh. And it's like, and then sometimes it's like, no matter like how careful or like conscious you are of it and trying not to make it happen, like I was like, how is this happening? <laughs> That's so funny. I'll try not to laugh at a boob queef, but I will. Absolutely laugh at a real queef. Go on. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say, like, I nobody talks about the boob queef. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's very real and happens a lot. And, like, it is, I, you just have to, I think you have to, like, like, as with a regular queef, like, you have to laugh. I mean, it's funny. If, if you're not laughing, like, then we, then everyone knows that everyone's lying. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think, like, sex is about honesty, mm-hmm. and so we should all just be laughing. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the boob queef, it sounds so much to me, like, when you're a kid and you make those farting noises with your yes. armpit, and that's, like, yeah. exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> Does that oh, happen man. when you have sex with men? Like, is there a body a body queef that happens? Melody? That's I'm similar? trying to remember. <laughs> I had sex with a guy once, and we... 
it didn't. I was partial to positions where it was like I was facing away. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. No boob on their chest. I mean, I haven't noticed a difference in like how often it happens based on like the size of the person I'm with. So if I'm with someone else with like smaller breasts, it still happens. Large breasts, it still happens. I would almost say it happened more when I was with someone who had smaller breasts. It was like the air, there was more air pockets or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it would, just, yeah, it's just a. Uh, it's like building a fire. It's like you got to make room for the air. <laughs> exactly Sorry, I just right. built my first fire this last weekend. Okay, so is everything coming? Is, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. that a metaphor for everything now? Absolutely. <laughs> That's so funny, Carolyn, when you brought this up, you're like, ah, question, boobs together. And I really thought you were going to be like, is that a thing? Like, with scissoring? <laughs> like, do you, you put your boobs together? Do your nipples touch? Really, yeah. <laughs> There's there's special like big boob sex that's happening that that's what right. I think people like, aren't talking about. That's what I think like twelve year olds think lesbian sex is like just like putting your boobs, putting your boobs together. It. No, when I was twelve, I thought it was somebody pooping on a plate and someone else eating it because that's what someone told me. Oh my no, God. come on, twelve? That's old. That's so yeah, like no. Miranda they, July. Like yeah. yeah, it was. That's that's why that's my favorite scene. The pooping into the butt. Yeah, yeah. pooping back and yeah, forth, back forever. and forth forever. Yeah. With the same poop. <laughs> it's my favorite scene, but because, no, I think I was 10 years old and somebody told me that uh, that lesbians have sex by one of them pooping on a plate and the other one eating it. And even though I was only 10, I was like very aware of the fact that my gym teacher was a dyke and... I would for just sure. like look at As her mouth. Like, yeah. yeah. I'd look at her mouth and look at like the corners of her lips for like traces of poop. Just like, <laughs> is Miss Tack having sex? <laughs> like, I'm going to, pa- I'm going to pass out right now. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> Cause I hate that you made me picture a uh, dry cracked kind of. <laughs> I know. She was also like, corner of the mouth. she yeah. was like 76 years old too. That's what makes it even better. I'm like, I need to know if my old dykey elementary school gym teacher is fucking <laughs> man on a plate, That's on a plate, on not a plate. just into the mouth. I know. I used to, I used to actually have this in my stand up when I first started and uh, like tell that story. And I'd be like, which is not true. We don't use plates. <laughs> it's a waste of a good plate. <laughs> and you have to wash it. Uh. Straight, straight into the, straight into the mouth. Uh, two girls, one cup style. Yeah. yeah. Human Although, centipede. no, wasn't that into a cup? That was in a cup. Yeah. Yeah. Human the, centipede the style. That's... Yes. 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 That's what lesbian sex is. Yeah. <laughs> Human centipede is actually the most accurate lesbian porn uh. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I also this incorporating boobs into sex, like from watching the L word, which was like my what I considered as a younger person, like the most accurate. Like how anytime they go down on someone, they are reaching their, bre- yes. their breasts at the same time. Yes. Oh my god! I just thought that was the only that that's like how you eat someone out is like you also have to like be having your hands, which. It's not. I mean, if the if the heights work out, it can work out. But it's not always. It's not always doesn't always feel great. And you it's kind of stretch. sometimes need your hands a hand at least when you're often. Yeah. So well, I, remember I don't doing think anyone's that. doing that the whole time, right? Like, well, who? The, how was I to know? But if yeah. you thought yeah. people pooped on a plate, okay? <laughs> yeah, come on, Carolyn. <laughs> 
That's so funny. I remember do, trying to do that because that's what I was working off of, just that show. It's a lot of strain on your like upper shoulders if you try and hold that. Yeah. That, the I'm doing it. You can't see on a podcast. But yeah. It's, it's a lot of it's, it ends up being a lot of strain. But I also. Yeah. I mean, and lesbians are into or I keep saying lesbians, which I just mean as an umbrella term, but sure, I don't sure. think it's right for me to just say lesbians. Yeah, we um, use dyke for all. Dyke is my favorite word. Yeah. So just you've come to the right dyke. place. <laughs> I mean, dykes like do like breastplay. Yeah. yeah, which I I swear I had a point coming into that conversation, but oh, it was just like my just about how I'm always scared that like people don't want my breasts in the in the equation, but like they're into people are into breastplay, and then I always felt weird about it for a while, but then because I, I have I've okay, this is like too far, but I have like. Not just sensitive nipples. Like I relate to the world through my nipples in a way that I thought was like true to everyone. And I, I'm always like, you know, when you're like really nervous in your nipple and you feel it in your nipples, or like to me, like everything gets filtered through my nipples. Like, and I just thought that's how everybody like perceived the world. Like nerves happen through your nipples. Like excitement happens through your nipples. Like for me, nipples and nostalgia. Like for some reason, when you start playing with my nipples, like I get this weird nostalgic feeling that sometimes like too hard to handle oh my god but anyway i just like i i always thought everybody was like nipple centric emotionally like men and women yeah and everything in between that was like part of the reason why i didn't end up like looking further into breast reduction because like i do experience the world through my nipples too and And you lose nipple sensitivity there's the big possibility you could lose that and I, yeah, I definitely, my nips are too, like I, doing stand-up even, it was like, I can't just wear a t-shirt because like the nerves just be like hard nips the whole performance. The nipple, yes. Like my nips are, yeah, what I filter the world through, which (laughs) I love that you said. (laughs) I'm so happy to have found somebody else. The nipple antennas. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought that's how, like, every single person with nipples, like, experienced the world. I was like, right, you have a feeling and, and your nipples feel it for, and show it. I don't relate to this at all. This is fascinating <laughs> for me. Maybe because our breasts are, like, farther out in the world, they're absorbing more. Oh, that's more. gotta I think be so. it, I think it, they're, like, literal antennas. Yeah. Yeah. And mine's just not picking up the signal. I have a weak signal. <laughs> a weak nip signal. <laughs> But I, I, again, can't remember what my whole point was in everything, but I think it's just, like, how I... Con- I'm still, like, working out how I conceive of, of breast plays, seeing as my nipples are so, like, emotionally... Sen- not just sensitive to the touch, but emotionally sensitive. That's wild. I feel like I'm going to go down, like, a YouTube <laughs> rabbit... Or just internet <laughs> rabbit hole researching this. Because nostalgia, that could be interesting in the middle of sex. <laughs> I have... Yeah, I... I don't know if nostalgia is the right word, but I get this feeling sometimes like right when somebody first starts touching my nipples where I get this, I think it's like, you know, when maybe somebody touches your, like any part of your body, that's like a sexual organ before you're like totally aroused. And it kind of gives you a feeling that's like, yeah, not quite. Or it's like something between, it's like not bad, but it's also not, you're not like quite in mm-hmm. like arousal yet. And like, for some reason, that space to me like feels like it's like wanting something that like doesn't really exist or like mm. some kind of like I don't know. I have n- no idea what I'm talking about. I'm it just I know that and then like I get worked up and then it's regular arousal. But I feel like there's a little space in between where it's like maybe it's like about breastfeeding or something. I have no <laughs> oh idea where it comes from, but there's like something <laughs> happening there. 
<laughs> I am interested if any listeners have this experience now. <laughs> right. I know. In. I want to know. I wasn't breastfed. So maybe again, this is where uh, <laughs> I'm lost. Oh well, my God. I just found out I was breastfed until I was like past two. Um, what? You just found out? I, I just, my mom told me I had no idea it had gone on that long. That long? That long. Yeah. I was, or, or maybe, maybe it was even three. It was like something that shocked me and I just put it away. Like, like I was like, let's move on. It's a thrifty move. You see? <laughs> you see? Yeah. Immigrant parents trying to. Yep. Stretch a dollar. <laughs> That's probably it, honestly. I mean, you know, if they're, if they're still producing. That's the other thing about breast too that I think it's so complex being a woman with these things because it's like they're sexual but then they're also like so tied to motherhood and then they're also tied to like death and cancer in a way that's so in our face and we're so everybody knows somebody who has had it or passed away from it and like um, my grandmother had it twice and survived both times, but it was always like a thing in my family of like this fear from my mom and my aunts and just being very uh, aware of that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a point there. It's just like boobs are so fucking no, complicated. Boobs are a lot. Very complicated. And I have very, as I've learned the past couple of years, I have very fibrous breasts, mm. which I think is something also that happens when they're just bigger. Yeah, and me so, too. Like, we had a moment where my, my girlfriend was like feeling me up and was like, oh my God, there's a lump. And then I went to the, like I went to, and it, it, there was indeed a, a lump um, that was very hard. And then I went to the doctor and they, you know, did x-rays and they were like, no, you just have really fibrous breasts and you probably drink too much caffeine and like they'll get. Yeah, that's and what if, I was told. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to stop drinking caffeine. So I guess I'll just have fibrous breasts and yeah. live with that fear. <laughs> <laughs> Like my career depends on, I guess, my fibrous breasts at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's yeah, it's part of it's it's a hazard of of my job that I have to have fibrous breasts. Yeah, and I know, like Melody, you brought up just like how a lot of your conversations with friends and stuff are around like top surgery and uh, all this dif- dysphoria for queer people around their breasts, and because I I don't experience dysphoria, but I. I can't even imagine how complicated that is because it's like, uh, this is a horrible analogy, but I was like briefly a PhD student and I was so miserable and I was like, I can't tell if I'm like regular miserable or if I need to get out. Like, yeah. Cause like everybody's miserable yeah. in this part. So, so it's like everybody is uncomfortable with their, their breasts. Everybody seems to like, unless you're Kate Winslet, I don't know. Even she I'm sure has <laughs> like issues, but like so many people have so many complicated feelings around it or like have had points where they've looked at their bodies and thought, and like, there's so much that informs that and feeds into it. And I've talked to people who, are like struggling with like I I think I should have top surgery but I can't tell like what is like what is normal like if if I don't want people touching my breasts does that mean I shouldn't have them or does that mean like I can still have them but just tell people don't touch them you know like what's yeah. to navigate all that just adds such a well, obviously, there just is no normal. And because top surgery is like relatively new and like becoming relatively more common, that it now has appeared as an option. And yeah. like, 
I think I, I, for a long time, my, especially when I got my very first job as a writer and I on TV and I was actually going to be making some money, I was like, okay, I'm saving up for my 25th birthday. I'm going to get top surgery for myself. And then by the time I got to my 25th birthday, I was okay about my breasts. And I, but it, it was, I was, I took that very seriously and it felt like that would be kind of the end of my problems and like my dysphoria and like feeling like if I, and like, cause I was wearing a binder and binders are like really, I still wear one sometimes, but they really hurt the shit out of your back. Mm, really? And like when you wear, or at least they do for me. And it's hard with sizing too, because sometimes like the, the bigger, the, the binders made for bigger breasted women are also just made for like larger or bigger breasted people are also made for like larger people. Mm. And so like I would have to get smaller ones and then like, I'd really be like extra stuffed in and it really hurt. And I was like, I can have a surgery that takes away this like bodily pain I'm in and this emotional pain I'm in. Right. And then just like, just speaking for myself and my journey, like I became more okay with my breasts. So I, and Hey, maybe in five years I will get top surgery, but right. where I am right now, it feels okay. But I think like everybody's different. And if that's the choice that you make, like it, it's a serious surgery. And if you are making that choice, it, it's because it feels like the right choice for you. Yeah. I yeah. mean, everybody I know who has had it is so happy with the fact, like I have yet to meet someone uh, who regrets getting top surgery, but I think it, that's because there's so much information out there and resources and people are connecting and finding support and going through all the things they need to go through before making such a big decision. I had like a panic attack about my breasts and like sort of my gender identity as a whole one day when I was driving and I had to like pull over and the way that I got through it was, was this plan of like, I'm going to get top surgery when I'm 25. Yeah. So I'm working towards that. And then I was able to relax because I had this goal in mind. And then it was almost like yeah. through knowing there was this option and being able to relax about it, I almost then just kind of became more comfortable with myself. So I just think that like as a whole, it is like just knowing you can have tops or that's kind of enough to open you up in a different way. And then also it's there if you really do want it. And I'm just, I couldn't be happier that that's like a realistic goal, like a realistic thing that people can have. Yeah. yeah. That's such a good point and idea to just know, like know that it's out there and yeah. takes pressure off of your personal journey. Breasts. Can't yeah. live with them. Can't live without them. Well, amen. <laughs> amen. I guess that's the final word then. That's the yes. final word on <laughs> breasts. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for this conversation. Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, on both Instagram and Twitter, I am at Mr. Michelle underscore, and that's Mr. spelled out, M-I-S-T-E-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E underscore at the end. All right. Herf. Well, thanks, Michelle. Yeah, thank you so much for diking out today about breasts. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And we can't wait to see all of your projects that I'm most definitely going to be watching. Yeah, definitely. I got stars for um, the Nexium documentary. We'll be trying to binge as much yep. of Vita as possible. Yes. You'll see my breasts. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be like, what is going on with them? Is she <laughs> having deja vu through her breasts right now? <laughs> uh, and 
If you want to hear more from Michelle, she did stick around to answer our queer questions for our Patreon content. So if you're a patron, look out for that. If you're not a patron, you can sign up for as little as $5 a month to get access to that kind of content. And we had just as much fun with those questions as we did on the episode. Even more fun. I think sometimes we get a little crazy. Just got more and more fun. Was that where I talked about my pubes? Yeah, we (laughs) wasn't as rapid fire this one. We just kept the conversation flowing. Yep, yep. Good times. Down there. (laughs) Well, let's get to our listener question for this week. Our last one of 2020. Here we go. I'm pretty sure I'm in love with my best friend and roommate. Okay, so good to end 2020 chaos right here. (laughs) Yeah. We moved in together without knowing each other and immediately became inseparable. We get along in every single way and we spend every minute together. There's been a lot of interactions that feel like flirting, but I don't really know. She's the best friend I've had in a very long time and I'm so afraid to damage slash lose the friendship if I tell her how I feel. And I genuinely can't tell if she reciprocates the feelings or if it's just how she is as a friend since I don't know her prior to being roommates. We've both been trying to date during quarantine, and she has just entered a new relationship, but it's hard for me to invest myself in anyone else when I know I have these feelings. Not sure if it's confusing gay friendship stuff or if I should just express how I'm feeling to her. My gut instinct after hearing this is don't. Don't do anything. Is she, especially if she's seeing someone Yeah, if she's seeing someone. But that is tough if you're two queer women living together and you're vibing really hard. Maybe there is something there. I just think it's a bad idea to date your roommate. It sounds messy. This person's already started dating someone new. Yeah, that makes the decision to not do anything even easier. And I know it's hard, like, if you have feelings for her, so you don't want to have start something with someone else. But like, if you have the opportunity to start something with someone else, it's not like your roommate is going to be out of your life. Like if it's meant to be between you and the roommate, then eventually it would happen because that would mean that the person she's seeing and the person that you would hypothetically be seeing wouldn't be as good as you two seeing each other if it's meant to be. So don't be afraid to see someone else. Something would have happened already at this point. You think? You know, if they were single through quarantine and, you know, this person, if the feelings were reciprocated, this person wouldn't be so excited about their new relationship. And it's kind of like you had all of quarantine to maybe make a move. And it's maybe a bad idea to once they're already dating someone else. Yeah. And you also don't want to ruin your living situation in the middle of a global pandemic. I was going to say, you know, it might not necessarily mean that this person didn't have feelings it could just mean that they don't want to fuck up their living situation they don't want to cross that, that line and that's like a very, i've been in that position yeah i i think a bunch of us have <laughs> it's <laughs> i've been in love with several past roommates and not done a thing <laughs> because finding a good living situation in a major city is more important <laughs> to me and that wasn't even in a pandemic Try dating other people Please. and don't worry about like missing out on the love of your life because if it's meant to be, it'll happen and it'll be more obvious. It won't be something that you have to wonder like, oh, I don't know. Is it? Yeah. Just it? Like it'll be super obvious if you two are both into each other at the same time. And you'll be able to go on dates, you know, 
and meet up from different locations. And you'll, um, you know, after that date, get to run home and be excited and without a wall separating you and that person. And it'll, it's just a good idea to not date your roommate. I'm actually stressed out now. You know, <laughs> what's funny is that Cecilia's ex-wife was her roommate. Oh, really? And actually, maybe this... <laughs> I don't know if this is a good or a bad story to tell. They were roommates, and her her ex was uh, was dating a guy actually for the first like for a big chunk of the first time they were living together. They would like hang out the three of them, and then uh, I I don't know like the order of things, but eventually uh, her ex broke up with the guy, and then stuff happened between her and Cecilia. So their whole relationship started with them like living together. Like they never, Oh wow. And it ended in divorce. So, you know, just don't do it. Don't do it. It can be confusing. Very that. (laughs) Very that. Well, best of luck to you listener. And I hope uh, you are able to find someone. Hey, join our Patreon. I was just going to say that there are a lot of singles looking to mingle. Daphne is looking, okay? <laughs> we have singles ready to mingle in that Facebook group. Yes. Patreon.com slash Dyking Out. And you can send us your questions to dykingout at gmail.com. You can follow us on the social media. Rosie O'Donnell, please follow us on TikTok at Dyking Out Pod and everywhere else at Dyking Out. You can also uh, visit our Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash Dyking Out. We love uh, everybody who buys from Etsy, like sends us pictures of them with the merch and it makes us so happy there the cutest pictures our listeners are all fabulous and i love them Mm -hmm. uh jemmy we've got a few jemmies uh j e m i dot app slash dyking out for one-on-one interactions and videos and cameos whatever from us we do that too follow me at tgi carolyn follow me at melody kamali and and we'll see you next tuesday 2021 Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.